Good morning, everyone. How are you? This is Fiesta coming from currently a beautiful sunny day. I got the lovely, amazing Marta with us. Marta, will you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are, where you're from? Sure, I'd be happy to. My name is Marta Kagan. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Marvelous, which is a mental and emotional fitness gym. I'm based in Boston in the United States, and it is not nice weather here, Esther. It's a torrential downpour at the moment. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to send you a bit of our sunshine, you know? Yes, please. <laughs> well, it's actually quite nice to be the one what's sunny for once. Usually when I'm talking to people, in America they're going on about how wonderful it is and I'm quite <laughs> like I'm the fact I'm the one this time <laughs> you know I'm glad I could serve as that person for you today <laughs> my work is done <laughs> I appreciate it I really appreciate it mind you as a kid I used to love thunderstorms the first thing I'd do was get my wellies on and my mac and go and jump as hard as I could in front of them. I remember my mum calling me in when I'd be drenched. I'd be like, no, not yet, not yet. Oh, <laughs> I, love I love it. that. I love that. What a zest for life. I hope you're still you're still prone to um, such moments of joy and insanity. <laughs> I definitely, before my accident, I definitely jumped in a lot of puddles. Now yeah. I'm in a wheelchair wheeling through a puddle just doesn't have the same effect no I guess not although I it still sounds fun to me I don't know <laughs> I don't know you just get soggy wet hands for pushing the wheel through and yeah <laughs> right. it just it doesn't quite feel the same fun and joy but yesterday um we were at this um museum and they had like a, a garden that set up for kids and there was a water play section in the garden I went straight to that I was like there with the five-year-old eight-year-old playing with my water brush they had these big um rollers with um different like paint rollers but with different effects on them so you could draw patterns with the water on the pavement and I was sitting there fishing my Oh, I love it. I don't think that will ever change. I don't ever think that will change. Okay, so let's start off. Let's um, dive into Marvelous. Tell us what it is and what it's all about. Yeah, so Marvelous is, as I said before, a mental and emotional fitness gym. So our mission is really to help people get in the best mental and emotional shape of their life, to get their brain and their nervous system to work for them, not against them. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we don't even realize how our thoughts, our mindsets, our conditioned beliefs and patterns and behaviors, and all these things that get wired into our minds and our bodies over the years can trigger us to behave in ways that don't serve us, um, to make decisions that don't serve us, to feel in ways that are anything but marvelous. Um, 
And it turns out that there's actually a lot of agency that we do have over those things, except nobody, nobody teaches you that in school. Nobody teaches you that you can rewire your nervous system, right? Or that you can change conditioned patterns of thinking. Uh, This is something that those of us who have discovered it tend to discover it once we hit a wall, right? When something goes wrong in our lives and our mental and emotional health really suffers and we start looking for help. And then if we're lucky, we find a therapist or some behavioral health professional that teaches us that you can actually change these things, that you do have agency over them. Um, So I created Marvelous with the the objective of helping people know that before they hit that wall to start training your brain and your nervous system, the way you train your body at the gym today, right. To avoid illness and injury, you get physically fit. Same idea for what's happening in here. I love that. And it's something I certainly worked a lot on. I mean, I've worked a lot on it for many, many years, but all the time when I was in hospital and I couldn't control anything. I could, the times when I first had my accident, I could sit up on my own. I didn't feel my, nothing. I did nothing. But the one thing I did have control of was my thoughts. And yes. lying there in that kind of pain, that kind of helpless agony, physically and mentally, it is so easy to go to a very dark place. Yes. And I worked incredibly hard to not go there. And I actually remember putting a message out within my community saying, guys, I need some ideas, I need some help. Um, Because I was convinced that I was making my pain worse by focusing on it all the time. Law of attraction, you understand that by bringing more of it in. But at the same time, I didn't know how to stop when I was in physical agony. That was real. My injuries were very severe. It, it, it led to me losing my leg. I mean, I went through five operations. Although I don't really want to get into that now because it's not what this conversation's about. But, yeah. um, but I did learn or reinforce, remind myself that I could actually create anything in my mouth. Yeah. If, if I tried hard enough, I could picture other things. And I'm not saying I managed it all the time. Sometimes it was like, for, okay, for the next two minutes, I'll think yes. of something else. And if I can get through two minutes of thinking yes. of something else, maybe um, it will be just a little bit more bearable. Maybe it will just be a little bit more easier. And so it, it's exactly what you, I think that was why I was so drawn to your page. Is is because it's because of all this. So I how did you originally get into it? Well, like most people, it's been a journey of hitting walls, like I was saying, right? Of (laughs) of feeling pain, emotional pain for the most part, more than physical in, in my lived experience. Um, you know, suffering and for a long time feeling like, well, this is just how it is, right? This is, this is how I am. This is my personality, or these are my life circumstances. This is what my family created in me or for me. 
Um, so really putting a lot of the responsibility, that agency we're talking about on the external world and then suffering more and suffering more. And so, you know, ultimately working with therapists and seeking out mentors and coaches and doing a lot of reading and doing a lot of experimenting myself to try to find that what you somehow Esther just figured out on your own lying in that hospital bed, which is amazing. Some people do just realize it. No, I didn't. I had years and years of mentors and, and all sorts of things before my accident. So I had the tools there. It was just a question of making myself use them. So no, it will, I don't think I would have got there if I hadn't been through the journey that I've been through before my accident as well as during my accident and now after my accident because you know it's just as much of a journey now you know every day I have that split second just that split second you know when you wake up and you're not quite awake and you're very sleepy I I, I feel myself reaching for my leg and just think maybe it's just a horrible dream. Maybe mm. today I'll wake up from this nightmare. And I feel myself doing it. And I, I don't know if that will ever change. I mm. hope it will. I hope one day I won't have that, that split second or maybe one just one morning I won't think of it. Maybe I'll only think of it every few times a week or something. You know, maybe it will come there. But it's definitely an ongoing journey when you, I think this is what, I'd be interested to know what your point of view of this is. So I've come across people who are just like, oh, just you've got to think positive. All you're talking about is thinking positive and and, and pretending bad things don't happen. And you Mm -hmm. just think positive. Well, I would say it's the dead opposite to that. It's accepting life happens ups, downs, boring, mundane life. And quite honestly, why would we not want that? Because it's it's the shade of things what make us realise so much more. If life was just like this all the time, going along an evil keel, yeah. you just get into the habit of doing it with you it just be it would just be a daily routine and you just go with it and you wouldn't think I did the thing different you probably wouldn't know different but it's because we experience that roller coaster of life and what I've learned is I've gained a lot of positives from the accident I've gained a lot of pain from that accident a lot of negatives I've learned about who I want to become and how I'm changing and growing and all of that. But more than anything, it's about having the tools to deal with those ups and downs and learning yes. how. It's not about just going, oh, I'm just going to be positive and then yes. go walk around <laughs> and think of everything positively. <laughs> yes. And I don't know what you think about that because I imagine you've had those that similar conversations with people. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And and I completely agree with you, Esther. It's this is not a recipe for forever happiness or 
you know, just, just positivity all the time. Um, I agree that I think if, you know, if your baseline changes to everything's good all the time, then your baseline changes to everything's good all the time. And that means that it's flat, right? So you're not actually feeling good all the time. You're now, that's normal. That's a new normal for you. So there still needs to be that variation, that contrast. We don't, we don't notice things without the contrast, right? It just becomes a bunch of gray, um, so I completely agree with you there. And I think one of the misconceptions a lot of people have about, well, a lot of personal development or self-help or mental and emotional fitness, which is a newer term, misconception is if I do these things, I will reach a state in which I don't need them anymore or in which my life is always perfect and happy. And maybe I can never achieve that, but some people have and they can. And that's Whole shit, excuse my French. Like that is just not the case. You will still have (laughs) you will still have problems. You will still let me rephrase that. Things will still happen, right? Good things, bad things. Life will continue. And life, as you said, is this roller coaster. It's not just a stroll through the park, but your ability to bounce back from those things, your ability to find the beauty, to find the gift in the quote unquote problems will shift. Your ability to enjoy life when it is beautiful and wonderful, to savor that gorgeousness and to find something beautiful, even in the pain, that's what mental and emotional fitness is. That's a whole different way of approaching life and I think it's about learning that you want that learning to accept you want those ups and downs you want that that shade and it's like yin and yang one exists with the other yes or dark and light there's no light if there's not dark there's no dark if there's not light it's about I mean, a perfect example is I spent the weekend very chill, very quiet, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, there are times I'd find that really boring, but actually, I really needed that. I needed that time to recharge. I needed that time on my own to read my book and do just to be, uh, mm-hmm. because the week before, I'd had so much going on. Lots of really exciting stuff, but also really tiring stuff. So it's about yeah. that constant balance. And yes. I I think the lesson I've learned more than anything over the last three years is to be grateful for that. Yes. I'm really excited about balance. And I don't want constant happiness, non-existent, just it's not something I even aim for anymore because I want the ventures of life. Yes. Yes. I'm with you completely. And, and on that same note, you know, it's not always about being perfect and beautiful and, uh, you know, Instagram ready. I mean, life is messy and sometimes that's the most beautiful zesty way to approach it, right. To be raw and real and messed up, right. To be bloody and to be injured. Like that's, that is the truth of it. And there is something beautiful in that too. And I'm not saying you should go out and create drama for yourself. I'm saying, as you said so eloquently, when it happens, accept it. 
right? Live it, feel it, embrace it, and then move on to the next thing. And the next thing, I think what I see happening so much in the world is this, you know, desire to only feel the positive. And in, in an effort to do that, we get in these like dopamine loops where we do something to numb the pain that feels good at first, right? Just like when you take a painkiller, it numbs the pain. It gives you a sense of euphoria and then that fades. And now you need to keep recreating that. And that becomes your baseline. And that is not what I would call marvelous, right? Now you're just in a loop yeah, that's, of that's that baseline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if you numb things, you numb the the pain, but you also numb the joy and the glory and the 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 love and the passion. And you know, you dim your light and you become numb and to the good and the bad. But it's also just a circle set. If you don't go through a way, if you don't process, if you don't live it whatever it's good bad ugly mundane boring everything it just keeps them happening so yes. all the people who are trying to numb the pain and not deal with things all they're doing is re-inviting it back in their lives in different ways yes. because because we all know you don't really get rid of it it just yes. you might be able to bury it for a while but yes. it's it's just waiting there for you to deal with it too. I mean, my husband and I dealt with my accident very differently. He just mm. won't talk about it. He doesn't deal with it at all. And mm. um, I, I know there will come a time where it all crashes out and he has to feel it and he has to process it and he has to. And I worry that it'll happen during our court case because that's the one time he can't get away from talking about it. Right. And I keep on trying to suggest to him that maybe it'll be better if he starts to process it. And he, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go into too much here because this is his his stuff and his story. But all I was trying to show was different examples of yeah. two people who, who live together, love each other, you know, uh, yeah. whatever, but very much approach and deal with things very differently. Yeah. I mean, he thinks I'm a bit insane, a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, um, nutter, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think all those words would come up. We might not quite say it that way, but they definitely would be very similar words if he was. Sure. And and there he is, you know, living with you, married to you, enjoying life with you. So um, so he sees the appeal. (laughs) I think I think the appeal with us always was about, I mean, we're not quite together at the moment, but when we were, it was always about um opposite. He is yeah. so technical, geekish, um, very practical, very mm. kind of, I, I make and I code this and this is something I see, very engineering brain, very, yeah. very matter of fact, scientific kind of thing. And what I find really interesting about him is he would be the first person what says, I opened his eyes to see 
like really see like we'll be walking down the street and i'll be going oh look at that tree don't you love the shape or don't yes. you love the color of the texture or look at that building i love the shadow that falls over it and now tim says that sort of thing to me and i'm like you've been spending too much time with me this really kind of scientific focused brain is seeing yeah. or we'll be walking down the street and they would go oh do you see that dragon and it would take me a second to think realize what he's talking about what he's actually talking about is the clouds he's actually uh. cloud <laughs> and um and those are the things you know after you spend so much time you sort of blend a little bit together and you come That's a right. little bit I don't know what I was trying to think of an example of how I've come more like him but right now can't really think of any but there are <laughs> there definitely are sure sure yeah so um yeah I guess I think it's embracing the world isn't it and it's about seeing things I mean I always find it so interesting to look at how different people's minds work and, yeah. and then gym fitness, you know, you're talking about mind fitness and yes. all that. It must be just absolutely fascinating. Yes. Getting all those different brains and minds and seeing how they. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I realized, you asked me earlier about my my journey of how did I arrive at this? How did I, you know, get here? Um, one important piece of my journey. One important step was when I started going to AA Alcoholics Anonymous, um, because I had most of the, the things I described prior to that, when I, you know, went to therapy or when I worked with coaches or I tried yoga and meditation and all these individual exercises, right. Solo endeavors to heal my mind and, and my nervous system those all benefited me. They're all beautiful, wonderful. I recommend them, but they're all solo. And to your point about all these different minds working together, you know, you always I think we have this tendency to always be really hardest on ourselves to, oh, God, yeah. right. To criticize ourselves the most, to believe that we are the only one that is this screwed up and thinks things this way. And why did, you know, it's, I always joke with my kids about how, you know, going into your mind all by yourself, it's like going into a dangerous neighborhood. You should not go there alone. You should bring a friend or a few friends, you know, it's safety in numbers. I love that concept, bringing a friend to go into your mind. That's fantastic. I love yeah. That. Yeah. It's, it's a better idea because then you have some perspective, you have an anchor, you have a little bit of a reality check. Your, your, your people can serve as a mirror and not only make you feel like, you're not alone, but also reminds you that maybe you're being a little too hard on yourself or really hard on yourself. Maybe you're thinking things that are just, you know, you've, you've bent reality inside of this little cavern of your skull in a way that's um, not serving you. And that's what we mean when we talk about training your brain to serve you, not enslave you, right? Like that's what mental fitness is. So when I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, prior to that, I had really been a lone wolf in, in my efforts to become a better human, to heal. I did it on my own. I felt like I had to do it on my own in part because my inner critic told me, you know, no one will accept you if they know the real you. Right. Um, and the beautiful thing about an organization or, or a group setting like 
AA is that the, the rules of engagement are you can bring anything here, right? And we will see you and we will still love you and we will still welcome you and we will still support you. And P.S. We've all been through some version of that ourselves, maybe not the exact same story or the same lived experience, but I can, I identify with that. I can relate to that. And that's when the the final sort of piece of the puzzle came into play for me was, ah, we need to do this in community. Like, it's great that we're talking about mental health. It's great that people um, feel more comfortable sharing that they're having mental health issues, but we're still dealing with it in private. We're still dealing with it in shame. We're still dealing with it in like, in the dangerous neighborhood. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think community is the, the final piece of it that is really, really important. And I think especially women are so harsh. I mean, men too, but I think women are the worst, worst critics of themselves. Mm. You just, you just, we're just always trying to do so much so many different things yeah and and be so many different people for different people mm-hmm. like a mother for child or friend for friends or a daughter or a sister or a co-worker or a leader or all at once everything yes. at once yes. and and although i am a great believer in believing that we can have it all at once and we absolutely shouldn't have to sacrifice any part of us. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing we do need to learn to do is to realise if we really want it all and if we really want to go for everything, we have to take better care of ourselves. We yes. have to be the ones who step back and say, actually, I'm going to be selfish so I can be caring later. I'm going to be, actually, take this now because it's what I need. And to ask for help. I mean, the idea, I love what you were just saying about not going there alone and taking a few friends. I think you need to be careful about what friends you take and um, who who you let who you let in but I think it also has to be people who are really honest with you people who will tell you when you're being too harsh but also give you the kick up the tuckers you need when you're not dealing with something or you're not facing it or you're not going forward or you're avoiding something or you're being a little bit lazy I think it needs to be all those things because it's it's so easy to just want to stay in your comfort zone and in your cozy blanket and and just stay all wrapped up nice and safe. And the mind is a very scary place to go. But that's even more of a reason to learn how to control it. That's even yes. more of a reason to learn how, I mean, over the last few years, I've had to fight to keep my mind at a certain levels. I have had to fight. And there's been times I've succeeded, and I'm going to be honest, there's times I've not. There's been times I've been incredibly dark 
incredibly dark, but I also know how dark I can go. And I try very, very hard not to go there. Now, if I know that, I know there's a lot of other people out there who feel the same. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, I think sometimes you have to go dark. Sometimes the resisting your own darkness, you know, being afraid of the shadow actually makes it bigger. It becomes the monster under the bed or in the closet, you know, and it, it looms large and it becomes scarier and scarier. And it's really facing it, um, and dancing with it (laughs) that gives you the power back. You know, I think we're so afraid of dancing with Sorry, yeah. I was just gonna say I love the idea of dancing yes. with it. But I'm sorry, because I didn't mean to interrupt. You no, know, no, that that's still a part of you, and that's a that's at play whether you exile that part of you or or embrace that part of you. It's still there. It's just you're either forcing it to operate um on the sly or you're listening to it and you're processing what's there that needs to be processed, and you know. I think we we have such a resistance to 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 feeling the full depth of our own darkness, our own shadow, because we're afraid we're not going to come back. I think for most people, they would say that's what it is. There's this fear that if I go there, I won't return. But I would say I that that's like about, saying if I go on, go on. What what would you say? You. I was going to say that I, that's like saying, well, I'm afraid that if I eat this piece of cake you know, I'll never stop eating cake. Like, no, you, you will eat this piece of cake and then you, you need to metabolize the piece of cake. If you just swallow it whole and let it sit there, that's a problem. (laughs) But, you know, you have to, you have to metabolize your emotions in the same way you have to metabolize your food, or it just sits there and keeps affecting you in smaller, subtle, and yet still profound ways over time. I absolutely agree with you, but I think there's a balance between the two, isn't there? I mean, I love the image. You've given me some fantastic images, actually. I love the image of dancing with your darkness, but it's dancing with it. It's not letting it consume you. And there is a difference. So, yes, yes, it's about, it's not about avoiding it. I'm not, I'm not someone who avoids it. I do want to process it. In fact, I want to process it and know every detail, probably a bit too much. But um, it's it's about not letting it just consume you so much that it's become damaging and that you're not processing anymore. You're just sitting in it. You're just yes. being sucked down by it. Yes. And that's, again, um, where having it witnessed um, in community, you know, with it could be in a, in a group setting, like I described with, with AA or with the marvelous community or whatever community of people can hold that space for you and provide a safe space, or it could be one-on-one, let's say with a therapist, with a dear friend, with a lover who you trust and who is willing to see you in your most dark and still love you anyway, and still be there. Right. And that I think is what, why most of us don't want to go to the dark places. And if we are going to go, we're going to go there alone 
because if someone sees this darkness, they will never accept me. And that's where it all goes wrong because then we never shine the light on that shadow. We never embrace it. We never process it. Or even if we do on our own, we are at risk of not coming back from it because it can consume us. And even if we succeed at coming back, it still happened in private. So there's still the fear that like, okay, fine. I faced my shadow, but if anyone else sees it, you know, then I'm going to end up alone. Isn't it? I think there is a definite fear of someone seeing it, but I also think there's a fear of other people seeing it, not from us, but from them. So um, for instance, um, I think there's, there's lots of people in my life who just want to think I'm strong and capable and just want to think I'm coping fine because that's who I've always been to them. And for them to think I'm anything else means that would involve them looking at themselves. And I'm just using myself as an example. It's not particularly about me. But I I think it's a mixture of, yes, you're scared that people won't accept you but it's also about the other people and what will this make them see in their lives or what you know if if I have to face that this person who I love dearly who is always like is this role model this this person to me if I have to see they're not all I've made them be in my mind if I have to see that they're not all who they are well, where does that leave me? How how does that affect me? I mean, how do I? And so I always felt when I was getting recovery, people were asking me how I was, not because they actually wanted to hear how I was, but because they wanted me to reassure them that I was doing okay. Even mm-hmm. if I wasn't, wasn't really relevant. It was about reassuring them. So I think when you're talking about mind and so many deep emotions and so many deep stuff. Yes, it's about you. And yes, about you being scared that people won't accept you, but it's also about them. And any relationship, any kind of relationship, whether it's family, lover, child, daughter, son, mother, father, it doesn't matter. It needs more than one person to have that relationship. And there's always that balance of the relationship and a good relationship it should be able to survive it and a good relationship you know one person should be able to lean on one then vice versa but so often people don't have those tools to do that they don't have the skills to do that and they don't yes. know how to help someone else so they just sort of run away and go I don't know how to help you so I'm not yes. going to try and help you because because what if I make it worse? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I do? And so there's just this constant fear around it, maybe. Yeah, for like. sure. For sure. And and I'm by no means suggesting that, you know, everyone listening to this, like, go home today and just like unleash all your darkness on your friends and family. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm simply saying that I think that the process of really being you know, really working on your mental, emotional fitness, really being in touch with and at peace with who you are, accepting it, the, the dark and the light is something that is, that 
to truly happen happens in community. And when I say community, I don't necessarily mean it has to be your friends and family. Although I do think the evolution of that is eventually when you integrate dark and light, you are who you are, no matter whom you're with. But initially it's good to take that to a safe place, like a 12-step program, like a community, like Marvelous, like Maybe you have a a group of other people who are working with a coach or a therapist and you have that community aspect of safety where you're, you're going through this together and you know you're not alone and you're witnessing one another's journey. That's kind of what I'm referring to. But I also think that you, you hit on a point, which is we spend so much time viewing ourselves in reference to other um letting people be a mirror to us of who we are without realizing that that's what's happening and or investing in those relationships and caring about other people. As you said before, women in particular are conditioned from an early age to be selfless, to take care of other people before we take care of ourselves, right? I don't think that's as much true for for boys at an early age, although that might be changing, but we become... um, you know, selfishness is, is a sin and we be, we, we feel guilty about taking care of ourselves and we just neglect it. And I think that is another huge contributor to everything that goes wrong because it's not until, you know, things break and really hit a wall that we're like, Oh no, I need to take care of myself. Well, it's a little late to start now. (laughs) I mean, yes, you can, but you know, now you're digging yourself out of a hole. It's kind of like um, shutting the stables after the horse has bolted, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. If we were actually taught these skills at primary school, I mean, every relationship would be better and stronger anyway, because we'd yeah. all have these skills to know how to manage and control and how to look after our minds. I mean, so little time and attention is paid to with something was basically controls our whole body. Yes. Your mind, your brain is such incredibly amazing intellectual, complicated emotion. And I mean every feeling's there. Every feeling starts off there. Every hormonal release, every physical action, every everything. And you're when you think about it, our bodies are so incredible. The way they work and the way they function and the way we survive, like on a daily basis, how yes. much of it is just automatic and how much we need it to be automatic. I mean, if yes. we had to think, oh, you need to breathe now, or yes. oh, you need <laughs> a heartbeat now, you know, yep. we'd be pretty screwed. Let's be honest. Yeah. But we don't, we know all of that but we don't collect or make the connection, well, surely that means we need to know more about the mind, more about the brain, more about how it works, more about how to control it, how to aid it, how to help it, not less. And yet somehow we just seem to take that so for granted. We do, we do. And and we take for granted the mind-body connection, 
you know, the, this, you, you hear that term thrown around and people talk about mind body and you are what you eat and all these things. And yet do we, do we really take that in? You know, does, is that really sinking in that your body's constantly communicating with your brain and vice versa, that they're talking to each other. It's a, it's a, very complex and also very simple and constant communication that's happening. And we generally treat our bodies like, like an inconvenience or a problem or a a thing to be managed or solved or controlled. Like we get mad at our bodies, right? When something happens and it's not performing the way we want to, we suppress our urges. We ignore our urges. We push through. We don't sleep enough. We don't eat right. We don't drink enough water. We don't rest. Like, and these two things are, they're everything. They're the, the entire vehicle with which we experience this life and we're just like, Shh, quiet, quiet. I, what's on TV now? As if that's primary reality, right? Or what this person said to me or what they did. This is primary. This thing, your brain, your body, your nervous system, your relationship with yourself, that is primary. If you get that right, everything else will be better. No, no matter what circumstances your life brings, your experience will be better. And if you ignore it, it will be harder. It's really that simple. Yeah, it really is. And I don't think there's anything else you can say about it, really. It is that simple <laughs> and that basic because if, yeah. if you don't, it can cost you your life. It yes. absolutely can cost you your life. And surely there's nothing more important than your life. Because if you're going to pick your life as not your highest, highest priority where does that leave you yeah i don't know and yet that's not how so many people function right there's just this uh this what's what's the next thing and what's i will be happy when or i will feel good about myself when or life will get better when um when what you know well i think it's just because it's automatic isn't it because yeah. it goes back to what we've been saying right the way through our conversation is that if people are not aware of it, yeah, like I didn't realize how horribly I used to talk to myself. Mm. I mean, like how horrendous things I used to say to myself. And you talked about how you hit so many walls and A and A, and I presume what came before that was a lot of not understanding yes yes how much power we really have how much control we really have like I you know I used to get incredibly frustrated with people I was sharing a hospital bay with who were just sitting there going oh woe me poor me oh isn't this horrendous oh horrible is this and I used to be is that making you feel better honestly (laughs) make you feel better because if it does great I'm all for it but you're making everyone in this room feel worse none of us can leave this room we've all when I was in hospital when I came back to the UK we were all only allowed one visitor once a week for one hour Wow. 
lockdown. That was because we were in the middle of COVID times. And so all we had was each other in this bay. Yeah. And it came very intimate, very fast. And we supported each other. And we helped each other. We cheered each other on and screamed for each other. Probably a lot more than we did for ourselves. But we also <laughs> saw each other our worst than when we were not coping very well and when we were being complete bitches. Yeah. But they were people. I, I was like, honestly, does this make you feel better? Because if it does, right. Yeah. But can you can you honestly tell me it does? Because yeah. if it doesn't, why the hell are you doing it? I well, mean, it's so it's so much autopilot, Esther. Don't you think it? it's so much you just, just like not aware of it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's that's problem number one. Is that the majority? All the things we're talking about. These things that you know, when you speak them out loud, seem obvious, seem intuitive. They make sense. They certainly do to me based on my lived experience. But I think most people, even if they're living a very unconscious life and they're suffering a lot, I think hearing this, some part of them can plug into that and and, and knows that it's true. The problem is if you're very much functioning on autopilot, you're in survival mode, you've been stuck in that pattern for a long time and you haven't had a chance to like lift up out of it for a moment and see that that's happening. It's like asking a fish how the water is, right? They're like, what do you, what water? Like it, it's just, it just is, it's just everything. And I, I think it's more that um, how often do we just not hear what we're saying and what we hear. So I've I've met people who are some of the most negative people I know, and they will claim they're not. Yeah. And yet, and yet, and they'll go, oh, it's such and such is so negative. It's so difficult to be around them. And I'm like, yes, yeah, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's energy, energy sucking, isn't it? But yes. uh, I mean. It's extraordinary. I mean, I was that person for a very long time. You just didn't hear the words I was speaking, didn't yeah. hear what I was saying, and yeah. um, and and it's something I still have to watch. I still have to be aware of because I can't yes. get into this habit of. And I guess that's real real control of your mind is when you hear those words and you can pick them up instantly and go uh uh-uh, not today this is yes. what we're doing today this is how we're directing it I mean that true mastership of yeah. gym fitness my mental fitness surely true mastership when you not not that this sort of hippie nonsense a lot of people think it is that you're just like thinking they way nothing but to to know that it will happen and to mm-hmm. be able to pick up on it yes one of my mentors literally gives that side of her a name and um uh, um i can't remember what she calls it but say for her, i could been say she calls it barbara she'll literally <laughs> go not today barbara you're not yeah. having your way to nah that I was yeah. turning it around and 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 she literally sees it as a 
different person, a yes. different part of her. And I think yes. that's quite a nice way to do it because then that's a way of accepting it part of you, but somehow separating it. Yes, and we, there's a, there's a whole um, branch of of psychology, um, a therapeutic branch called internal family systems that is built on that entire concept that that we have these different parts that are formed at pivotal moments in, in our childhood for the most part, but throughout our lives where something significant happens, often a trauma, a little trauma, little T trauma or big T trauma, but something significant happens and that part copes with it the best that it can, or that version of you at that point in your life copes the best that it can. And then that coping mechanism, that coping approach and that, like that model, here's the trigger and here's how I deal with it becomes a part like literally a personality, right? That lives in your mind and in your nervous system. And when things that remind you of that trigger come up, aha, that part comes into play because they know how to handle this situation better than you do. And so internal family systems is all about integrating those parts, getting to know those parts, because what also happens is then we exile some of those parts. We decide not today, Barbara, but Barbara now doesn't have a voice right? And Barbara, when Barbara is completely stifled and not allowed to share her truth, she's going to make trouble in the background. She's going to find a way to give you a hard time until you listen to her. So, um, so it's interesting that she brings up that model because I think that's, I think there's real truth to that in that, um, yeah, they are like little separate personalities, right. That live within us and sometimes take over for a little while. Right. And they're running the show. And so part of becoming aware uh, is asking who's running the show right now. Right. Which, which version of me is running the show? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's absolutely, I guess just being aware of it, isn't it? And it's learning when to let people have a voice and learning when to let them not and learning when to control when to learn to listen and learn but that's all about mental fitness yeah mental fitness surely isn't just about going around and say oh we'll go work on this and everything's gonna be wonderful and everything's gonna be great <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so no, like i come we're coming back to the beginning of our conversation a bit because yes. you, that's you know that just isn't I guess it's not any kind of fitness really is it if you think about it yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> the people who run long distances they don't go on every mile every inch of that distance they're not just going oh this is really easy it's not they I mean yeah. they get tired they've got times they've got yeah. pushed through there's times what are hard the times are difficult they're times that they're just yeah. actually got a nice rhythm and they're doing really good and they're feeling strong and they're feeling good but yeah. all those emotions come into it and yeah. and yeah I guess that's what it's all about, isn't it? Is it learning. Is. It is. And it's and it's a lifelong practice because it's way too easy to forget, you know? Like I, I often think of my my mental fitness practice. It is like a regular fit, like a physical fitness practice in that, you know, if you don't, 
if you don't exercise, if you don't work your heart, if you don't work your muscles, they become weaker, they become deconditioned. So in the same way, like flexing my awareness muscles, my ability to notice what's happening in my head, my ability to tune into what's happening in my body and what cues it's signaling, right? Where am I, what am I feeling right now? What's the loudest voice in my body right now? You know, and what is it saying? Being able to tune into that and just notice, even without trying to change or fix or react or do anything, just noticing that's a daily practice, right? Like that's a muscle I need to flex all the time. Um, but I also think that it's, it's really kind of an, it's a never ending journey because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what life is going to throw at you. You don't know what a different season of your life is going to call from you. You don't know what people might come into or out of your life or what challenges you might face. So there's, there's always more to learn and there's always more to, um, to allow to unfold. And that's, that's ultimately, I think what it is, you know, staying open and aware and having that beginner's mind. Like there's never a point where you're like, I am now a master of everything. No, unless you're, and then you die. Right. (laughs) And then maybe you hit that peak for that moment in your life, but it's, it's a, it's a constant unfolding. It's also wanting, I just think so many people just exist, just get comfortable, just are, and I don't know, I just want to, have you ever watched the movie Dead Poets Society? Yes. Okay, so... um you know, you know basically what it's about, Adam, and the, the line Carpadian sees the death. Yes. It's, it's something that um wrong really wrong with me when I was young, but I used to watch the movie all the time. I loved it. And um it was interesting, I kind of forgot about it. It kind mm-hmm. of wasn't part of my life. And then I had my and my life changed like that in a split mm-hmm. second. I slipped on the yeah. rug and everything changed. Yes. And 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 it is this phrase what haunts me in the most lovely way. Now, like all the time, I'm like, actually, I want to seize this moment. I want to be aware of this moment. I want to be uh, be playing in the water play. Yes. What was set up for five year olds and kids in the garden yesterday it was so lovely I was surrounded by beautiful flowers the sun was there you know we were just playing and yeah it just seems such a mundane kind of thing but right then in that moment it felt great I, I yeah. was really excited about it like people who were with me were laughing at how excited <laughs> I was about I love that with this water. <laughs> and um and so I don't necessarily mean that you have to go out and have massive adventures and travel the world and do all these things and turn your whole life upside down. But carbon diem can just be appreciate those moments with your daughter. Yes. Have fun with your son. Have a yes. nice dinner with your partner. Um, yes. Go and spend some quality time with your family. Yes. Um, go and cook a nice meal feed your heart with something 
So yes. in one of my mentor, uh, mentor groups, we have Financial Free Friday. And this is actually not necessarily about money. It's about what makes you feel wealthy. Mm. I like that. And yeah. last Friday, I went out and we ended up um, out and about and I had a few things I had to do in the morning what certainly did not make me feel wealthy they actually made me feel very annoyed and then I thought <laughs> right I'm going I'm to flip this I'm going to do something else so I went and brought myself some flowers what cost me a few quid and then I went to an art gallery what was free and surrounded myself with something what to me might not everyone but to me speaks to my heart fills my heart and it yes. was really interesting because I went into two different galleries. The first gallery I went into was this really strange sort of gallery shop. Um, and it, it had so many different styles in there. I was like, wow, this is kind of mind boggling. And <laughs> then I started talking to the guy there. And I said, so are these all local artists? And he said, they all my work. I said, what? They're all your mm. work. And he went, yes. Why? Like some of photography of really beautiful nature scenes. Some were like like graffiti. Some was like squirrely sort of shapes and lines. And it was just all so much. And I was looking at this work, trying to find something to connect to. And I actually yeah. found it very hard to connect to it. I didn't particularly like it. Mm. Um, there, was, there were a few pieces I liked. Some of the photos I loved and some of the stuff I liked. But it wasn't my kind of style. But I, I just remember thinking, wow, how, how his mind must work. I mean, I was standing there wondering yeah. how as an artist, what comes from your heart and soul, do you create such different pieces yeah it it kind of just blew me away and I walked out of there not not loving it or but just being really um fascinated by it very curious by it very and then I went into another gallery what had very traditional very just just very similar and it was very much a show it was lots mm-hmm. of different people but it was all very connected and I thought mm-hmm. how interesting is that that this one's yeah. got lots of different artists but it's all very um si- similar or very sort of similar style or very similar I mean they were different and they're obvious they were different artists yeah but I just found the two contrasts really interesting yeah Amazing. Esther, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, us no, now, I just realized the time. Thank yeah, you so I much. Have to run. I really appreciate. I got I can't believe we've been talking for this long. All right, I thank know, you so it's much. Really appreciate you um chatting with me today and it was lovely to connect. Likewise. Thank you so much for the invitation and have a thank marvelous day. <laughs> And you too. Bye.